for the past, present, and future of all animals, this is the Zookeeper's Voice with your host, Danny Jirasi. Hello, and welcome to the Zookeeper's Voice. I'm your host, Danny. Today on the Zookeeper's Voice, we have Hazel McBride, orca trainer, motivational speaker, body positivity advocate, and author. This is Hazel's second appearance on the Zookeeper's Voice, previously discussing her experience as an orca trainer and her first book, I Still Believe, and its global success. Today, Hazel joins us to discuss her brand new novel, Ocean's Daughter, and give us every highly anticipated detail until you can get the book into your own hands. Without further ado, let's dive into our interview with Hazel. Today on the line, we have Hazel McBride calling all the way from France. How are you doing today, Hazel? I'm great. Thanks for having me on again. We're so excited to have you on again. Now, a lot has changed in the world since the last time we talked to you. How has life changed for you all the way in France? (laughs) Well, yeah, things um, have definitely been different since uh, this global pandemic that uh, we've been having going on. Um, I've been one of the one of the lucky ones, though. I mean, I've been able to keep my full time job the whole way through. Thank you, Marineland. It's been lovely Um, during during lockdown here. It was very strict. So um, I know I think you guys in America, you guys got the news about um, Italy's very strict lockdown. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we basically followed the exact same rules, but like a month later or two weeks later. So it meant every time we left our house, we had to like fill in a paper and take our ID out. Otherwise, we would get fined. Um, I had to have like a paper on me at all times to prove that I had to be at work. But yeah, apart from that, life kind of went on as normal. And I think the I think the whales definitely kept me sane through it. <laughs> so that was something that was something. But things are slowly easing in and going back to normal now with um, the park opening and stuff. Well, that's wonderful to hear. Now, speaking of the whales, your followers on social media love hearing about your relationship with the killer whales. How have things been as a killer whale trainer recently? Has anything changed? Um, not really. I think during like the lockdown period, obviously we were closed for a few months. Um, that really gave us the time to kind of just love on our animals, which was really nice. You know, we just got to like basically just do what we wanted and do what they wanted, you know, spend time playing with them and, you know, just being able to really focus on them the whole time. And I think that really strengthened the bonds that all of the trainers have with all of the whales. Um, just because we were able to give like our complete undivided attention to them, which was just amazing. Um, I mean, every year we close for a month in the winter anyway, so it wasn't like it was super strange for the animals suddenly not having anyone in the park. Um, So I think they really enjoyed it. But we definitely saw that they got very motivated when we started doing shows again and there was like some atmosphere in the park. They were definitely like, oh, this is happening again. This is fun. And it was nice for me as well to be able to use social media during that time to be able to share stuff about the whales because um, I had a lot of messages from people saying that it was like really helping them when they were stuck in their house to like be able to be able to see that and see the little videos and kind of follow along with what we were doing. So that felt nice. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of us use social media as a way to keep us basically sane to to reach out into the world when at a time that we really couldn't. 
Now, speaking of social media, anyone who takes a glance at yours will quickly realize that you are a motivational speaker and a body positivity advocate. Can you tell us what has led you to sharing that vulnerable piece of yourself to the world? Yeah, so um, the motivation kind of inspiration stuff just came from really the beginning of my social media. And when I was writing, I still believe, and it turned into really a, an amalgamation of the journey that I took to becoming a killer real trainer and how impossible it felt when I was younger to making it my reality. And I think people really connected with that story and it gave them the motivation that they needed to go and pursue their dreams. And if I can be someone that can help people do that, then that's what I want to be. And it led to me doing um, personalized coaching sessions for aspiring marine mammal trainers. Um, being able to help people, you know, get one step closer is just a massive privilege. Um, body positivity was a little bit different. <laughs> um, and it's something I struggled with after I stopped being a competitive swimmer. Um, you know, I was training upwards of four hours a day and then I suddenly went to university and I was going out and drinking alcohol and eating a lot of fast food and my body changed drastically and, and I struggled with that. And I, I didn't ever struggle with an eating disorder, but I struggled with disordered eating, which is kind of similar, but also very different. Um, especially in a society where disordered eating habits are often championed. So I, had a lot of problems with binge eating and um, exercise addiction, which I've spoken about a little bit. Um, but hopefully I can kind of open up a little bit more and, you know, following other body positivity advocates really, really helped me. Um, so I hope if if I can just help some other people by sharing just little bits and pieces of of my own journey, then that's always a good thing, I guess. I think it's a great thing. I think you definitely bring a really positive presence to social media. And the thing is, I met you through, um, you know, through your book and through following you as a killer whale trainer. And I just love how you are so positive and bring you're a positive role model for body positivity in a time that we really, really need that. Yeah, I think um, I, I did a post about everyone was banding around the word of the quarantine 15 and it was just really getting to me. So I did a big post about how ridiculous it was that, you know, all people are concerned about when there's a deadly virus is gaining weight. Like we need to get our priorities in order because it's just ridiculous. But I mean, when you grow up in a world that's obsessed with diet culture, you know, you can't help but think the way that the world kind of wants you to think about it. And it takes a lot of kind of reading and exploring and yeah, to change your thought processes, but it's possible. It's possible. It's definitely possible. And it's definitely so important. Now for our listeners who don't know, as you just mentioned, you are an accomplished author and you have a fantastic <laughs> book called I still believe, which we discussed the last time you joined us on the zookeepers voice. Can you tell us a little bit about your first book as a refresher for those who might be interested? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we've spoke a little bit about my social media and I started up social media literally as a way to market, I still believe. Um, so, God, what was it, two years ago now, I think? I started writing it at the end of 2018, the end of the summer 2018. Um, and I was kind of up in the office at work and just thinking, like, why do we we trainers not have any anything out there in the world to to show our side of the story. Like we don't have any, any films, any documentaries, any books. And that's when I kind of was like, Oh my God, 
someone should write a book. And then it turned into, oh my God, I should write a book. <laughs> so then I wrote a book. And um, yeah, the first draft, no one should read that. It was incredibly angry. And it was basically just me getting out all of the frustrations that I had about everything about the job, you know, like how trainers are perceived in the media, you know, everything, every lie anyone's ever said. Um, thankfully, it went through several redrafts before the final version got published. But it's basically kind of follows my journey, like I said, on how I became a trainer, how filled with advice of how to other people can how other people can make that happen for themselves as well. You know, there's advice about swim tests and internships and, you know, an awful lot about what it's like working with these incredible killer eels and, you know, what our day-to-day life is like with them and my thoughts and opinions on the future of accredited zoos and aquariums. And yeah, lots of good stuff. That's amazing. Now, as an author, what was the reception like for bringing a book that nobody had ever written before? I knew that in the build-up to releasing it, I was incredibly stressed because it's a very controversial subject and I knew that I was never going to be able to please everyone. I was not expecting the level of criticism that I got. I was convinced that all trainers would be on my side and they would love it. (laughs) That wasn't the case. I had a lot of people come at me, even calling me, you know, anti-zoo to a point because I was taught, I was, I did try to make the book not neutral, but I tried to give voice to all thoughts and opinions in it. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it was very well received by, I would say like 98% of people. I've had so many lovely heartfelt messages about people who connected to it, who resonated with it, who've been inspired by it. And as an author, literally that is all you want. Like to know that someone has picked up your book and read it and and connected to the words that you've written is just incredible. And especially with I Still Believe, because I poured so many personal things into it, so many things that happened to me, it was almost autobiographical in nature. So that's very different for me as well. It, it was a nonfiction piece. It was the first piece of nonfiction I'd ever written. So it was very scary putting that out in the world. And it makes me so happy that so many people have loved it. This new book has been a lot easier. <laughs> I, I'm sure it has been. And I, I just want to say before we talk about your new book, um, I read I Still Believe and I was very surprised that you said that some people would say those things about what you wrote. But I also feel like as a zoo community or, you know, we just tend to make everything rosy and not really talk honestly about things and so that would be my only um idea that maybe people you know the only people who could have been negative were people who maybe didn't like how honest you were but I think that's necessary in terms of you know keeping animals in the care of man like there's there's a lot to be said about it and like you said in your book we all want the same things definitely and I think the problem is that nobody's perfect like we cannot expect ourselves to be perfect and there's always room to improve. And I think that rightly so, a lot of trainers have their guard up. We're very defensive. And that's because we've literally been beaten down into a position where that's all we can do. It's much harder to kind of stand up and go, okay, these things, yes, we need to improve on, but that doesn't mean that we're not doing good. So 
yeah, I was very honest about a lot of different things, a lot of experiences that I've had, a lot of things that I've seen um, that could be perceived either positively or negatively. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was as well rounded as I as as I could make it. <laughs> Absolutely, and I will defend your book and sing it to the, all the praises to anybody who says otherwise because I have read it and it deserves to be in everyone's homes. So that's just oh, thank that, you so much. That's my personal opinion. But <laughs> speaking of books, tell us about your brand new book, Ocean's Daughter. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> so um, like I said, writing, I still believe was hard. It was nonfiction. And I have been writing fantasy fiction novels since I was about 14. And when I say fantasy fiction novels, I mean, terrible, terrible, awful <laughs> little word documents that are buried in a folder in my laptop. That um, was always kind of a hobby of mine. Um, I just like sitting in my laptop and, and creating these worlds. It's, it's like escapism. It really is. I mean, I can sit at my laptop and five hours will go by and I will just not notice the time pass. Um, but I still believe really pushed me to actually publish and actually become an author because it was a book that was necessary. And it was a story that people, I feel anyway, that people needed to hear, not necessarily my personal story, but just you know, the, the viewpoint of a trainer that, that needed to be out there, no questions about it. But because that forced me to go through the process of publishing, you know, trying to find a literary agent, trying to become a traditionally published author, that not working out, learning kind of as I went by watching YouTube videos and listening to podcasts and teaching myself how to self-publish and, and figure all of that out. And then the marketing, you know, it kind of, six months after I still believe came out, I started to be like, you know what, I can actually, you know, make a career as an author. Like I have, you know, other novels that have potential. So I revisited the, like, like all first drafts, terrible first drafts of what has now become Ocean's Daughter on my laptop and, and kind of resurrected it from the depths of Microsoft Word. And here we are. Can you give us a brief synopsis of Ocean's Daughter? Yeah, so um, the main character is called Reva. Uh, she's a 17-year-old girl who grows up in Scotland. Uh, she grows up on the Isle of Skye. And I already had someone ask me if I made up the Isle of Skye and named it after Skyla the killer whale. So she's the whale, I, for those of you that don't know, she's the whale I worked with at Laurel Park. And um, no, <laughs> it's not. The Isle of Skye is a real island um, off the west coast of Scotland. It's beautiful. Everyone should go visit. It's incredible. Um, so she grows up on this island and she's raised by her single mother and is raised with a massive fear of the ocean because her father disappeared at sea. So eventually one thing leads to another. There's a series of events that kind of lead her to discover that she actually has these powers that are connected to the ocean. You know, the sea starts calling to her and she eventually disappears under the waves to try and find out what happened to her long lost father and what these mysterious powers mean. Well, I'm so excited to read that book. Um, I can't wait to get that into our house and it'll sit right next to, I still believe. I'm going to read that too. <laughs> <laughs> now, I also want to ask you, you said that you've been writing these short stories the, um, since you were 14. What drove you to write a novel so differently from your first book? 
but also to go on and have it published? Like I said, the nonfiction is really not my genre. All the novels I've written before, whether they're good or bad, have all been fantasy fiction because that's what I love to read. You know, um, this is a young adult fantasy fiction book. So think about, you know, Twilight, The Hunger Games, the Divergent series. They are all young adult fantasy fiction books. Um, And that's what I love reading. So it makes sense that that's what I would enjoy writing. And yeah, like I said, it's, it's just escapism. It's just nice to be able to create these characters that have these magical powers and, you know, you can make them go off and do on all these little adventures and they can, you know, you can make them save the world, (laughs) which you can't do in real life. Um, so yeah, it's just really nice to kind of explore those things. And yeah, I just, I just love writing. I love it. And, you know, starting the blog and, and, publishing, I still believe just really made me think, you know what, I can have a career as an author. You know, I made, I made one impossible dream happen. You know, why, why not another? (laughs) Well, I love reading your books. And so I'm very excited for this next one. But one thing that I read the other day is that Ocean's Daughter is part of a trilogy. And when can we expect the other books to arrive? Yeah, so quite um, late on in the writing process, I'd say probably in January, um, was when I finished the book, you know, finished before the million redrafts come along. Um, I quickly realized that the book was far too long and that I just had too much in it. So that's when I was kind of like, you know what, I really need to split this into a trilogy because otherwise, like, it's going to be Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire size long. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, and that's, that's not what anyone wants unless it's Harry Potter. Um, so, yeah, I quickly trimmed it down and realized, OK, this is going to be this is definitely going to be a trilogy. And I already have the title in mind for the second book. Um, and it will more than likely be coming out summer of next year, probably early summer of next year, because I've already written like a quarter of it. I am so excited to hear that. So after I finish this first book, I won't have to wait that long for the second book. Now, t- no, thank God, because the the draft of Ocean's Daughter sat on my laptop for seven years. So you will not have to wait seven years for book two. Don't worry. You can't do that to us, Hazel. You can't put out a fantastic <laughs> book and then make us wait seven years. So I'm so glad to hear that. Now, well, I hope you think it's fantastic once you've read it. <laughs> I've read your first book, and so I'm excited about this one. So yeah. um, now tell our listeners where they can find your books, I Still Believe and Ocean's Daughter. Yeah, both are available on Amazon. Um, so because I self-published, it's, um, it's solely up on Amazon. Excellent. Well, the whole world uses Amazon. So I'm excited the whole world is going to have access to your book. And before we let yeah. you go. It's, oh, it's also it's also sorry, I completely interrupted you. No, go ahead. It's also available in um, ebook and paperback format. So Ex- it's available in both. Excellent. Well, before we let you go, let our listeners all over the world know where they can follow you and support you on all your adventures. So all of my social media platforms are um, at Hazel Orca Trainer, um, both on Facebook and on Instagram. I also have a blog, which um, all of the links can be found on my bio on Instagram. And uh, please subscribe to my mailing list because it's really, really helpful as an author. Thank you. Shameless plug. (laughs) Shameless plug. Well, Hazel, we were so happy to have you back on the Zookeeper's Voice today. And 
again, the door is always open for you guys to come on next time or for you to come on next time. And we're so excited to read your book. Thank you so much. Thanks again for having me. It feels so good to be doing the Zookeeper's Voice interviews again. It's good to be back. It is good to be back. And what a fantastic interview to have. So good to have Hazel back. It's great to hear from her again. I know. I'm just, I'm so proud of her and everything that she's accomplished. I mean, what does she not do? I don't know. I think she does just about everything. Magic. I mean, she probably does magic too. I, she, she might, she, she just might. And if not, she's going to write about it. If, if not, it's probably right around the corner. Actually, too. this book that we just heard about that seems to, that there's a bit of magic in there. Sure. So, um, for those of you guys who are listening, we actually already were able to order Hazel's book, yes! but can we, I wait to read it. I can't wait to read it either, but we don't have it yet. So, I cannot tell you how excited I am to read Hazel's book. And just like before, the door is always open for her so we can hear about her adventures as an orchid trainer, as her adventures as motivational speaker. Her next adventure as an author. Yeah, her next book. Because that trilogy is eventually going to all be out and the second one supposedly is going to be out next summer. And we hope that she comes back and talks to us about uh, it. She's definitely going to come back. I'll make her come back. <laughs> You're going to do that all, yep. the, all the way from over mm-hmm. here? Yep. Well, here's the thing. I read her first book and her first book is absolutely fantastic. And so... If it's anything like her first book, I am just going to be absolutely drawn into it. So I'm very, very excited. She's a wizard with her words. She is a wizard with her words. Now, guys, for those of you listening and you're going, hey, we haven't heard from you guys in a while. I did want to kind of let you guys know with everything that's going on in the world. um, Life hit a snag. Yeah. So we actually had a lot of interviews set up. Mm Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what has been happening is we have been seeing a lot of furloughs, a lot of layoffs, and just to cut back on available time in the zookeeping community. It's really unfortunate that a lot of the people that we had lined up ended up you know, getting furloughed, losing their job, or something of the sort. And some of the people we were in contact with different like departments, because sometimes you have to go through a different department to be allowed to have that interview. Right. And we don't know if, you know, that breakdown happened for a couple of those interviews. So we just want to let you guys know we are working on it. We may not be able to get interviews as often as we would like. We were going to try to still do it once a month if possible, especially as everything starts to kind of get back to normal. Sort Kind of. of. I'm hesitant to say that, but at least that we can, um, you know, just be able to bring quality interviews to the to the people and i think it's so important because more than ever the zoological community those who work with animals those who fight for animals and those who are here for animals you know they need our support now more than ever right yes the world needs our support but we cannot forget that the future of all of these things depends on us and we can't forget it just because, you know, we're distracted by other things. They're important things, don't get me wrong, but we have to make sure that we're still taking care of these things. So hopefully we'll have some interviews lined up again pretty soon, and uh, we'll try to get you the zookeeper's voice as often as possible. Yes, and before we let you guys go, a reminder, 
Hazel McBride's book. You can find that on Amazon. It's yes. so easy to order. Paperback and digital. Yes. And the thing about that is if you are a Prime member, you can get that delivered free shipping to the your front door, which we should be expecting very, very soon. So if you go ahead and you order her book, which you should, make sure you share that on social media. Give her a review on Amazon so we can get her book out in front of more people and let us know what you think. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And be sure to stay up to date with all the happenings here at The Zookeeper's Voice on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and thezookeepersvoice.com. For the past, present, and future of all animals, this has been The Zookeeper's Voice. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.